listening to Legacy Lawyers, hosted by Michael Haslam and Nathan Croxford. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us. What's up? Good to see you, Nathan. Good to see you, too. We had to go through a lot of trial and error to get Nathan connected to the podcast. We had some technical nightmares. Oh. I, I was worried. I have something to do with it. It's like four degrees in the office. Yeah, our <laughs> winter came back and my heat was off. So it's a little cold, a little brisk. It's warming, yeah. warming up. It's back to 61 in my office. So. Did your heat turn on or are you still using a space heater? Yeah, that hasn't quite figured out, which is weird. So we'll just have to tough it out. Yeah, we'll make it work. All right, Nathan, we've we've been kind of, me and you have been talking back and forth about this topic, and there's just a lot to it, a lot to unpack. So we're just going to chip away at it. And today we're, we'll take a stab, but should we just get our uh, – disclaimer out of the way right away yeah knock that out okay so nathan and i are attorneys and we are going to talk about legal topics but is just for educational purposes only and for entertainment purposes so any advice or topics that we talk about today are is not legal advice for your specific situation and you should consult attorney to give you advice based on your facts and circumstances. That being said, we're going to jump in to the topic, unless you have any other like... No, I was just going to say, I think you go right out of the gate with the phrase that we've yet to encounter anywhere that you mentioned last night when we were talking about this. Oh, so there was two. You want me to do them both? Yeah. Okay, so me and Nathan, we're going to talk about coding your estate plan or (laughs) another way to look at it is having a blockchain estate plan so dude the only thing we're missing now is a white paper on it i know we need white paper this is the way you do estate planning now so if you haven't followed any like Crypto like, currency, what are they talking about? Blockchain stuff. You're like, this, <clears throat> this one's weird. <laughs> uh, Give us a second. It, we'll make this make sense. Mm-hmm. You totally will hear about it. It's, you've, you've seen it everywhere, but. Um, yeah, and it's one of those things where like. I mean, I wasn't paying attention for a long time. And so I'd hear cryptocurrency and then I'd hear blah, 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 blah. But then I bought a little bit of Bitcoin. And now every time I hear something about it, like my ears perk up and I kind of, because I've done some research, I kind of know what they're talking about. And so, you know, it's like when you buy a new vehicle, a model or make you've never owned before you start seeing them everywhere they've always been there you just weren't paying attention so that's kind of how this will be i think yeah i like 
it's hard to tell what timeline, but mm-hmm. the number of clients who've came and met with me who have crypto at least a little bit, I would say, I'd say at least half now. Maybe not quite, maybe not quite that many. I mean, definitely anyone under 55, every one of them have, have had it. Anyone under 55, I, I have a tough time thinking of someone who hasn't had a little bit. Uh, I can yeah, and they want to know how to plan with it, right? Yeah, so they want to know how they plan with it. And I don't think we're going to quite get into that today because I think we need to, I, I want to talk about where this is going. Mm-hmm. And then maybe next episode, we can talk about what you should do now versus mm-hmm. like, and where this is going is just what we, you know, project but I would be shocked if it doesn't end up there. So some version of it, you know what I mean? Yep. So I'm torn. I don't know how much we want to like explain what a blockchain is. And then, well, I think we did a little bit when we talked about um, crypto the first time, right? Well, we shared the story about the guy who had the cryptocurrency. Oh, no. So we didn't. Well, I mean, I can kind of sum up because, I mean, I spent like a couple hours over maybe two weeks, an hour here, an hour there, just trying to understand it better. And I can just give a little primer. Yeah, I mean, not even a primer, just like a couple paragraphs on what it is so let's do that a blockchain and and i will preface this by saying i am in no way an expert on anything so i'm sure there are people if there are people out there listening that are they're gonna there there are going to be people out there listening to this that are more expert than me that they're gonna be like wow that was butchered that but i'll give it my best shot I'm, I'm going to put myself out there and give it my best shot. So the concept of a blockchain is, well, first of all, it's coded, you know, computer language. Um, but what it essentially is, is it's um, an operating system that operates on a, what's called a distributed network. Mm-hmm meaning that it's open source, that there are nodes, there are computers all over the world that are connected to this thing. Mm -hmm. And the information that is um, passed along on this operating system, it's all transparent. It can be seen, it can be verified, it's time-stamped. it's governed by what's called a consensus algorithm Mm -hmm. where what that means is that like thousands or hundreds of thousands of computers are all connected and they, and they, they're running an algorithm where when you connect enough computers to it, it either, it, it basically will verify that any new information coming in is legitimate or not legitimate based on the algorithm. And so then people are like, well, then how does that blockchain translate into anything valuable? Well, it's because when you can either um, document transactions or you can have what we're going to talk about, maybe a little bit self-executing contracts, 
um, then what that does, it takes away the need for, and I know it sounds a little cold, but takes away the need for trust and institutions that kind of manage that information because it's something that if everything's transparent and verifiable, then there's no need for a, you know, a banking institution, for example, there's no need for a centralized, um, exchange there's no need for anything like that because i can exchange something with someone and and know when with 100 certainty based on the consensus algorithm that the information that i'm passing along or the value that i'm passing along is legitimate or the value that i'm receiving is legitimate and it's verifiable so um and so there's just endless possibilities for this. We can, one of the um, examples is Bitcoin. Um, Bitcoin is kind of one of the first main applications for the concept, right? Yeah. And so Bitcoin is basically a, a bunch of verified transactions. So I put, you know, X dollars into Bitcoin that's been guaranteed verified and what that means is if somebody later buys that bitcoin from me then they know with 100 certainty without going through any type of an exchange like i can peer to peer i can send them my bitcoin and they accept it without question because they know that it's legitimate because of the way that the network is set up and the way the algorithm works so i'll add a kind of a clarif or another way to look at it is okay. so the network is really kind of like uh, another term they use is distributed ledger technology. So it's like mm -hmm. this digital ledger, right? It's keeping track of all this information. And in, in Bitcoin's case, it's about this currency, right? This cryptocurrency. It's keeping all this information and that and all the protections that are part of it and the consensus algorithm make sure that everyone using this ledger can rely on the information they're getting where our bank, we're just assuming they're telling us everything that's correct, right? And so there's all these transaction costs because they have to manage that information. Not only that, but we're allowing the bank to be the intermediary where in blockchain technology, we don't need an intermediary. We yeah. can operate peer-to-peer. -peer. So then another um, crypto... I guess currency that people may or may not have heard of is Ethereum. And that operates, that's that's a system of what what is referred to as smart contracts. So it's a platform that so a automates platform, right? Yeah, blockchain platform that automates transactions. And so essentially what is that what that means is it sets up a set of pre-programmed conditions that the contract won't be executed until those pre-programmed conditions are, are met. So for example, you sit down to close on the purchase of a new home or real estate. There's a bunch of documents you have to sign. There's people, there's, there's a realtor maybe, there's definitely a title company, there's a lender, there's all these people involved and there's all these paper documents um, it's probably already happening out there that you can, or if it's not, it's coming soon where you can purchase property 
using blockchain self-executing contracts. Yeah, like I, the the ledger keeps track of, you know, what I'm buying and I put the money in and now I have this, um, they call it a token and maybe we'll get to there in a minute, but I have this proof that I own part of this piece of real estate and the whole transaction was all done on this, using these smart contracts. We never used the title company. And yeah, why that- so the token would be the part of the blockchain that verifies ownership, like the title mm-hmm. to the property. So in exchange for an amount of either crypto or maybe even cash, you've get, you're getting the token, the ownership in the um, property. Yeah. So instead, you know, if I buy a piece of property, I have this piece of paper deed that says I own the property, or if I bought it through a blockchain system, I would have this electronic token showing my proof of the property. Yep. And, and then if I wanted to sell it, right, I want to sell my token. I don't have to use a title company. I can just present it to another, you know, peer-to-peer peer transaction. So it reduces the transaction costs and the transaction time. And it also kind of, like in the real estate example, it kind of makes it easy to sell it to, you know, multiple people across, you know, let's say I owned a piece of property and I wanted to sell a fraction of that to a hundred people. Mm-hmm. Well, to do that now would is really challenging. It's subdivided into three foot square blocks and sell people a well yeah what you do now is you form an llc you have to have this llc own this piece of property and then i got to sell everybody an ownership interest in this llc Mm -hmm. and everything about that's like well how do i trust the llcs you know what i mean like there's just all lawyers set it up right Mm -hmm. have to trust the professionals that put that in place did their jobs correctly What's the operating agreement? And then when I go to sell my, let's say I own 1% because there's 100% ownership of the LLC, I own 1%. I go to sell that, like that's a lot harder than if it's already in this blockchain platform. So it's kind of cool idea. Yeah, and it's a little bit like, just to be fair, it's a little bit mind blowing when you first crack in and try to understand it. Like it took me a couple hours of reading to really grasp it. And I realized that I'm a little bit late to the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. You might still be considered an early adopter. Well, I think if, because... well, the fact that I actually own some probably means that I am a little bit of an early adopter, but percentage of people. But I mean, if, if you want, if you want proof that this thing is, Moving forward, I mean, you can just Google like how much money's been put, been invested in blockchain um, startups or internal. So, like IBM, have you heard of that company? Yeah, they have a platform. What do they call it? They're something fabric. Um, I saw it in here. Um, like, they're they're wanting to they're trying to use blockchain to help solve supply chain issues. So they're focusing on Ethereum and they call it and it's IBM's Hyperledger Fabric. Hyperledger. 
it's a blockchain application that businesses depend on to solve specific problems is what which is kind of a generic that's pretty that's pretty vague and but but they have a voice. abstract but a how much money have they put into it no i don't know if it says here but they have a joint venture with another company because there's an estimated 634 billion lost in supply chain systems just because of all the inefficiencies and so they're trying to use the technology to like like if I'm buying something from another country and I need that supply to come here, the blockchain could provide all the information I need to track it, to buy it, to know where it's at. And it's all, you know, that concept that I don't have to trust the guy in India said he shipped it. Well, how do I know he really shipped it? Right. And then I guess he sends me the tracking link, but then I'm, then I'm believing the track, then I've got to believe the shipping company that they really. That's right. So I mean, I've two funds I heard just raised a couple hundred million for their blockchain development that they're doing. Wasn't one of them big uh, JP Morgan Chase? I know JP Morgan Chase is doing some things too. Yeah. So like, I mean, you can pretty much every business is evaluating how this blockchain concept is going to be work, how it's going to work. And um, I found this really great proof of concept. Um, so so if your business checks these four boxes, then the block, then having a blockchain solution would, would be a really good idea. So the first is, do you need to share data across organizations, right? Or, or you could even say individuals, right? Do, we, do you need to share information? Well- That'd be every business ever. Most businesses, right? And then- and then the next question is, do all players trust each other? And that's probably rarely a yes, right? Like mm -hmm. we have a very close circle of people we trust implicitly. Um, and then is there a need for a strong audit trail? Okay. And this is where some businesses might drop off, right? Maybe they yeah, don't. If I'm selling... Uh, honey that I I'm thinking of I drive up a road to go to a resort to snowboard and there's always people at the bottom they're selling there's somebody there selling honey as soon as that honey has hit my hands and the cash has hit his we're done you don't need no a need for a, I don't need a ledger he he maybe needs some information about the amount he sells but I doubt it's a business it's just a Right, but you don't need to go to him. Side thing. I need you to prove that that no. really yeah. harvested no. Utah. Mm -mm. No. no, I'm going to buy it and I'm going to take a chance that maybe it's from Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I think you're crazy. I wouldn't, I wouldn't chance that, but each, each their own, right? <laughs> These are different and state to state. But that's where the real estate example is a good example, right? Like I need a strong audit trail that I'm getting valid ownership and title and there's other things that they need to trail for. And then the, the last is, does the data need to be immutable or unchangeable, right? Like the, the data, if they can change the data, then do I trust the audit trail, right? Yeah. 
So actually, interestingly yeah, enough. I mean, so that's, go ahead. We may be on the same thought here, but. Oh, I was going to say, interesting enough, like when I read that, I'm like, man, this sounds a lot like trust administration to me. Well, so what I was thinking is like one of the things that we do now is like, if I'm going to leave a page blank on, like if I'm going to, I finish a trust or a power of attorney document and there's half a page of blank space left, I don't just leave it blank and then flip over to the next page and say signatures and whatever else. Cause I'm always worried. Is somebody going to, is somebody going to illegitimately come along and try to add language at the end of this will or add language, like try to, you know, forge it on there, make it look like it was there originally change the terms of the will. So the way that I stop that, which I don't know how effective it is, but it's all I've got for right now is I put a, um, a, a parenthetical in that says, remainder of page left blank intentionally, right? So I know that when I get to the end of that paragraph, there's one blank line and then it says, remainder of the page is left blank intentionally so that anybody looking at it would know, okay, that blank space should remain blank. Anything typed below that is not part of the original document and I should suspect that somebody messed with it. So. So um, are you saying that you want yeah, I'd like my estate plans to be immutable. Once you die, you want to make sure no one changes it? It's exactly, that's exactly what I'm saying. Ain't it? That's... <laughs> and that... I'm sorry. I'm so, sorry to be so <laughs> demanding gonna... and paranoid. And it. I'll I mean, just say this. It's... It, but... Everybody it's only been, it's they only been, yeah, the only reason I'm distrustful is because I've seen people mess with the state planning documents before. Yeah. Seen people do it. And, and most clients ask like, wait, so when I'm dead, this can't be changed. Right. Like yeah. they want, to, they want immutability. Their, their, their wishes are going to be followed. Yep. And then, so what happens right now, whether you have a will or a trust, um, is after you pass away, there's this person who then has to execute your wishes, right? They have to follow through with what the trust says or what the will states, and they need to make sure all those rules get followed. Mm -hmm. Well, unfortunately, that person doesn't always follow the terms of the trust exactly. Gosh, you're bursting my bubble. I know. For real? Yeah. It's not, it's sometimes it's by accident, right? Like they, ne you never, they never done. I it. don't care why they had good intentions. I don't care what their intentions were. They really were trying to do what mom and dad wanted them to do. I just want them to do what the document says. I don't care why they didn't do it. Uh -huh. Well, maybe I care a little bit. Well, if you're maybe the one, in terms yeah. of a, whether or not I'm going to ever forgive them, <laughs> if they did it on purpose, probably not. If they did it by accident, I'm a little bit more okay with that. I guess I'm, I'd be more willing to let, let them uh, give them a pass, but I'd still be upset that they didn't follow the plan. So this, this speaks to criteria too, right? Do all players trust each other? Well, mom and dad probably trusted the person they picked to be trustee. That's why they picked them. But 
if you actually asked everyone, like, you know, on a scale of one to a hundred, what's your trust level here? Maybe, you know, 99, right? Maybe there's yeah. a few hundreds out there. But then it goes to, do the siblings trust each other? Always. <laughs> I can't even say it with a straight face. Oh, I'm so jaded. You might, we've been doing estate planning maybe too long. We've just seen too many mm-hmm. sibling dis- disagreements. But, I mean, it's a mixed I've also bag. seen lots of good There's, scenarios where people did things that they didn't have to do that were the right thing not legally required but maybe there it was the morally right thing to do or ethical and ethical thing to do and they did it so yeah but that's the thing is like i don't as if i'm the person who's put the estate plan in place and i'm dying i don't want to sit there and wonder my kid's going to do the right thing or mm-hmm. are we going to have problems i just want it to be I like the word immutable in my estate plan. I like the word immutable. And as much, and no matter how close the family is, there's always a chance that there could be some lack of trust between some of the parties, right? Mm -hmm. And then, so number three, Nathan, is there a strong audit trail? Well, a lot of people don't realize this, but when you take over as a trustee of a trust or an executor of a will, most states require you to give a report to all the beneficiaries regarding what happened with all the assets and what income the trust received, what expenses it had, um, what assets were there when mom and dad passed away. And then that way each beneficiary can have the peace of mind that they got the right amount for their inheritance. You want to know how many people do that report? Yeah. Like next to no one. Hmm. You want to know how many people do it within the time frame the law requires? <laughs> like, only one. the ones who meet with us it's happened and, once oh. in the entire history of the world. And they, and, and I tell them you, you have 60 days to provide an inventory. <laughs> yeah. And I guess that's true, right? Like um, the ones that do it within the time frame or do it at all are probably ones are probably people that Me. have been advised or they've been threatened. Advised or threatened, right? Yeah. And the of- fact that there's the potential that I have to threaten someone to get them to do what's involved in the plan makes it so you know yeah, i mean all I, met of these... with, I met with a lot of people that said hey yeah when my and I, they're setting up their estate planning right and then we're talking about hey when you pass away your trustee's going to need to do this report and they're like wait there's is that like a rule and i'm like yeah it's, it's i mean in utah you can't waive that i mean well you can't the trust even if the trust says no reporting is required the statute still have an obligation under the statute still required and and they're like well when my mom and dad died my brother my sister didn't do that they didn't tell me anything and then i just got a check and i hoped it was correct and like they didn't follow the law i'm like yeah they just they just kind of winged it Mm -hmm. and you might have got shorted you might have got extra but i Mm -hmm. doubt that Mm -hmm. (laughs) and hopefully 
hopefully it was the correct amount. Yep. So we checked two. So we've checked uh, all four, right? Yeah. So in so what are they again? So you're saying we've checked them in terms of estate planning? Yeah. So do do you need to share data across organizations or individuals? Right. Yeah. You got to yes. share information. Uh, do all the players need to trust each other? Um, then, well, so do all the players trust each other? Uh, Probably not. Is there a need for a strong audit trail? Yes. yes. It's actually required by law in most states. Um, and should the information be able to be changed Does, or should it be immutable? The answer to all those questions are yes. So this thing we're reading says, congratulations, you have a valid blockchain application use case. And hence, we call it blockchain estate planning. That's right. <laughs> we're going to code your estate plan. So, so that's, that's the future you're going to, yeah, like I'd be, I mean, maybe, maybe a law is one of the slower industries to catch up with current trends. So it could be a while to develop, but I mean, we already have people asking the questions that, and, and we're checking all four of those boxes every time. Right. So, um, People want this. It's just a question of how fast we can innovate it and make it accessible to people. Yeah, there, I think there's some challenges the technology has before it can be kind of a mainstream mm -hmm. approach. Um, the part I'm excited about is when that all gets worked out is watching how governing institutions like, say, the bar. Mm-hmm how the bar deals with authorized practice of law, all the challenges of applying current rules to something that is revolutionary, like absolutely revolutionary. Yeah. So if, if, if someone had like all their assets that had a token for them, right, there was a token for everything you owned. Mm -hmm. So it can all be verified on this black uh, blockchain platform, then I can, I can say, Hey, I just need a contract. You know, I need a contract drafted within the terms of this platform to say where all these tokens or assets go upon my death. And that person could live, right. They could be anywhere, anywhere. It doesn't matter. Right. I could be, I could, I could have moved to Iceland. I don't know why I would move there, but it's cool. Well, it's cool and it's a way interesting place. So, yeah. So if I'm in Iceland, but I have all, you know, I'm kind of have assets all over and I've. You own a pasture in Southern Utah. Yeah. Then I can, I can have my blockchain estate plan say where everything goes when I die and the attorney I have do it or help me with it could be kind of anywhere so anywhere yeah so I, it, let me give you an, a, a real world example of like so way way back when internet and email was starting to come around there was a question whether or not email was an appropriate way to communicate with clients given the concern about confidentiality and attorney client privilege and so forth and i remember i mean i'm old enough to remember this so <laughs> giving away my age again 
but I remember, um, you know, like uh, ethics opinions coming out from the American Bar Association and then state bar associations discussing, you know, the ethical ramifications of using email to communicate with clients or opposing counsel or whatever. And it took a while for that to solidify. And it also took, you know, the, con- or the technology a while to catch up and provide enough security that that could be um, kind of blessed as an appropriate way to communicate in the legal realm. And now that's just a given that you're going to be able to email opposing counsel. You're going to be able to email your clients. So similar type of, you know, concerns here that eventually are going to have to be dealt with by these governing institutions. But that's the interesting thing about blockchain is that to a certain extent, it takes those institutions out of the picture altogether. So it's going to be interesting to see how that comes together. It is. It's going to be, I mean, because there's some, I mean, you're seeing it in the news. There's some governments that are adopted regulation already for blockchain. And that's really actually incentivizing companies to work with those countries. There's countries that have banned it altogether. There's countries that are just kind of waiting and seeing and just kind of ignoring it. So countries where the government has taken over exclusive use and control of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think some of the I mean, I think that's what will be interesting is some of the platforms are going to... Yeah, so JP Morgan, uh, I was just looking at theirs. Theirs is an Ethereum. It's very similar to Ethereum. And it's called Quorum. An enterprise version replica of Ethereum built by JP Morgan Chase called Quorum is an open source... It has, but it's permissioned and it uses vote based algorithms to validate transactions. Therefore, the majority always wins. So there's like endless ways that you can verify the information. Yeah. So if, if you don't think this is coming fast, though, I want I want to I want to read a, a email for a CLE that I got that I'm going to watch, actually. Um, so. It's it's CLE continuing legal oh, education. Yeah, thanks, Nathan. For those who don't know that abbreviation, um, so it's a it's a uh, continuing education on life insurance as it relates to cryptocurrency and NFTs. Wow! So I'll just NFTs. read so they stand, that stands for non-fungible token. So it's usually a token that's tied to an asset that's kind of one of a kind, right? Um, so like the dollar it's a bill. Block, it's a piece of a blockchain that represents ownership of something that's one of a kind, like a piece of artwork. That's the most popular use right now, I think. Um, but it could be like that real estate example, right? Like this is mm-hmm. a one of a kind piece of real estate. You can buy this non-fungible token. It gives you a one-tenth ownership in it. Well, and that's why real estate's a good example of something that could be tokenized because every piece of real estate is one of a kind. Yeah. Yeah. No one is exactly the same. 
So something that's not like the dollar bill is something that's fungible, right? Like I don't care, but one dollar which bill, dollar dollar bill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Although I do hate the ones that have been written on, folded. There's something about just like a crisp. Let's let's not use a a one dollar bill. Like when you get a hundred dollar bill, hundred dollar bill, handy. Like there's something about that being crisp and I hate when there's like creases in it or it's, you can tell it's been in somebody's pocket for six months or so. So here's the questions for this. But, but that being said, they all spend the same, right? You can, <laughs> vending machine most of the time will take well, Yeah, it. that's a good point. Although I've yet to put, and I better never be putting a hundred dollar bill into a, I guess if you're going to go buy your car from a vending machine, like Carvana, um, or whatever. Carvana <laughs> but that's a lot of hundred dollar bills. You're probably using an electronic transaction there, but, but yeah, that's true. Like, I mean, how many times you stood there with a ratty $1 bill trying to get a Coke out of a machine and it's rent, 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 rent taking it in, spitting it out, taking it in. And then you like working that lay it down. You're like trying to flatten it out, get the wrinkles out, get the corners to actually unfold. And then eventually it takes and you go, yes. And here comes your Sprite tumbling down the chute. But it doesn't, it gets stuck. <laughs> so there's all kinds of problems. So Most of the we buy stuff. soda with blockchain technology? Well, I mean, you can with credit cards right now. So it's just a matter of time, right? But um, when, when I do that, will it keep it from getting stuck? See, that's where, I mean. It's not on the list. Yeah, that's not on the list. I don't know if there's it's a not trust one of the issue. four questions. <laughs> I don't know if there's a trust issue there. Does your vending machine ever get stuck? It's not on there. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll see if we ever get down to selling sodas with Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. But for now, just remember the phrases. We're going to code your estate plan. <laughs> And you have a blockchain. We're going. We're doing blockchain estate planning. Let me, let me read you a couple of these questions though for life insurance. Just this. Oh just yeah. Kind of, Sorry, I didn't mean to get you off. Topic. Oh, you're good. You're good. This just kind of hits home. Like, this could be here faster than everyone thinks. So like, so can life premiums be paid with crypto? Right? Can I pay my life insurance premiums with crypto? And so some life insurance um, accounts have a cash value that are invested in sub investments. And so that's kind of the next question, right? Can my variable sub accounts be allocated to crypto funds? Can life insurance policies be tokenized as an NFT? So they don't really, I mean- I think the answer to all this is yes. It's just a matter of what has to happen for that to occur. Yeah, and then it gets into some of the IRS questions, which I'll spare you. Um, But this is what I thought was interesting. (laughs) And actually that'll be- as boring as that sounds, like that'll be really interesting to see how internal revenue code rules apply. And I mean, you know, Uncle Sam, he'll always get his share. But how he gets his share in this instance is the interesting part. So 
and we'll have to maybe do a maybe next next podcast we can talk about mining but this one says do miners have an obligation to notify car- carriers when life policies are tokenized so not 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 people under the age of 18 not m-i-n-o-r-s m-i-n-e-r-s e-r-s people who people are who are mining bitcoin so now people that aren't, aren't familiar, they picture guys in like hard hats and they're covered in dust and they're chipping away at a little bit different type of mining, but it'd be like data mining, right? Yeah. So we'll have to, we'll have to break that down a little bit, maybe next time and talk about that a little bit if people are interested. Um, but I mean, so this, these guys, it sounds like this education classes there's some cle there's some life insurance companies that are ready to go full you'll have to on our next episode when we address this you'll have to tell us what you learned there so think about this right if someone comes to me and they say hey i have a life insurance policy and they say it's it's been tokenized i have a token for it um how is that gonna work right when i die Mm mm-hmm so super interesting mm-hmm. um <clears throat> anything else you want to say about it no it's just going to be cool to watch it unfold and develop over the next few years and i think you're absolutely right it's going to come a lot faster than than we think i think it is i mean i think it's kind of it's been the concept's been around for quite a while actually so I think it's kind of like hitting that point where it's ready to blow up. Like if you think back to when we started talking about cloud, the cloud, <laughs> right? That was like mind boggling at first, sounded really like, dangerous, what? sounded really insecure. And now it's almost impossible not to have something stored in the cloud. Mm-hmm. Like every application we use, you know, I don't download software on my computer anymore. Everything's cloud-based applications that yep. I log in and use. And yep. it's like, why would we even do it the other way? Even our document drafting software is cloud-based now. Yep. So. Okay. I like it. I hope everyone learned something. I'm sure they be, did. If you want to be one of the first people to have your estate plan coded, call us. Yeah, absolutely. We'll do it. Mike, Mike's going to spend, now that he's, now that we've said that, Mike's going to spend the weekend learning how to code. Enjoy I've that. Been, I've already been uh, rushing up a little bit. So awesome. I don't know. I don't know what that learning curve's like for what we want to do, but. Thing that confuses me is it's all X's and O's, right? Mm-hmm. For sure. That's where it's mind blowing. Okay. Well, thanks everybody. We'll catch you next time. Okay. See you, everyone. You've been listening to Legacy Lawyers with Michael Haslam and Nathan Croxford. We give you the juicy detail of cases that our law firm has dealt with. 
We take out the lawyer talk and legalese and show you what options some of our clients had to choose from to fix their situation. The effects of not doing planning can be devastating. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, hook up with us on Facebook and Instagram at Voyant Legal. Call us at 801-951-0500 or send us an email at team at voyantlegal.com. And for commonly asked questions, hit voyantlegal.com slash resources. We'll see you next time.